0: Welcome to Episode 9 of The Playground Project with me, your host, Tanya Pomerantz. I am so thrilled to hang out with you today on The Playground. Before we start our Career Connection with our mystery guest, I invite you to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already done so. Thanks so much. Okay, in today's Career Connection, I will be having a great chat with a wonderful person and entrepreneur, Jared Goldsmith. Jared and I have been friends for more than a decade, and we are going to be talking about his musical journey, which took him from a childhood passion to becoming an Ottawa networking guru. Please meet Jared, aka the guy with the fedora. I'm so excited to welcome my next mystery guest, Jared Goldsmith. Jared, it's wonderful to have you on the playground with me. And I'm just going to do a little bio of yours, and uh, and then we'll get straight into the chat. Does that sound good?
1: Thanks so much, Tanya. Really happy to be here.
0: Appreciate it. So known by his signature fedora, Jared Goldsmith is a Canadian community builder, avid networker, past archaeologist, YouTuber, podcaster, and professional musician who founded Sax Appeal Ottawa using an interactive and novel virtual event platform. His other business is eSax Virtual Events that hosts exciting virtual experiences for others. He is the embodiment of the small business spirit and has over 700 videos on the eSax YouTube channel covering entrepreneurship, networking, and virtual event resources. Jared is a true small business success story. And Jared, before, before we chat, I just want to give context. We've known each other more than a decade.
1: Oh, it's been quite a long time. Yeah. When I first launched the business in 2011, I believe that's when we met.
0: I think so too. I think so. And you've been such a big part of my life, of my professional life, of my friendship. Um, You're just a really nice guy. And I think that that's, that's what you're known for. Not just your fedora, but also your very warm and kind and generous personality.
1: Oh, that's so funny! So, Actually, I have a note here that we met at the Ontario Self Employment Benefits Program. That doesn't exist anymore, but it was an event back on October 16, 2012. That's where we met for the first time.
0: That would make that would make sense. <laughs> so, and I love that you have a little note for that, Jared. Let's go back to high school together. Oh boy! You're from Montreal, right? That's right. Yeah, I grew up in Montreal. So, you're in Montreal, you're in high school. How, how are you doing, and what are you loving the most?
1: Well, in high school, I was very shy. People wouldn't think of that uh, me now, but back then, I didn't know what I wanted to do, uh, like most people. But I always loved playing music. I started playing saxophone in grade 7, and I played in all the bands, and I started taking lessons, and it was my escape. It was my way to forget about the world and just go a hundred percent into it because I'm, I'm sure you know Tanya when you when you're focusing on what you call, some people call it a hobby or a passion, you just zone out you're just focusing on what you're doing. and the friends I had, they were all in the music. well actually that's not true. Some of my friends were in the sports, but I was never into the sports side. didn't get that involved in mm-hmm. in high school and I met a woman. Who played trombone in one of the bands and we met on a trip in new york for music and we started going out about four four and a half years and then i went through sejap and then mcgill and then we broke up at mcgill and then i didn't know what i wanted to do and i had to get out of my shell so then i started getting involved with a lot more activities and and uh, and initiatives you know uh, like uh, school programs and student leadership but before that happened I'm getting ahead of myself right now, Tanya, but going back to high school, again, I was shy. I I wasn't going out of my comfort zone. All I wanted to do was music, but I heard my whole life, you're crazy. Don't go into music. Get a real job. So I, after high school, there's a program called CEGEP in Montreal, and it's a two-year, like a pre-university program, college, and I went into commerce. And I hated it. I didn't want to learn about economics and marketing and branding. I didn't like it. But I kept up the music. I I just wanted to find something to do. And then at McGill, I ended up going into archaeology. Because my last semester at Sejaf, I took an archaeology course, Human Evolution. And I thought it was the most amazing thing. I just fascinated by the whole historical aspect of it. And... I'm McGill. I, in the first week I started at McGill, I started playing in all the bands and auditioning. And so I kept up the music, but my degrees or my degree at that time was archeology. span And then it, it ties into uh, when my uh, first girlfriend and I broke up, I was devastated. I lost a lot of weight. I wasn't eating. I wasn't focusing. I, I, th- I thought to myself after a few months, I could keep wallowing or I could do something about it. And that's, the kick in the pants I needed to start getting involved and I became president of this organization and that association and really student leadership. And then uh, in the summer of that year, I went to Japan to do archaeology. So I got credit from it through my summer school course and just really opened my eyes to the whole idea that there's, it's a big world out there.
0: It is. And I'm I'm taking notes. Um, and one of the things that, that I've, I've kind of zoned in on, why did you take commerce?
1: Probably I was influenced by my parents. My father's a business person and mm. I tried to make him happy and uh I didn't know what he wanted to do. Like, uh, I I thought okay, I was I was okay at the math side, you know, calculus, fine, but it was just something to, to have a degree or certificate program in. But um I wasn't passionate about it. And like I said earlier, I, I, I didn't appreciate the marketing and the business commerce side. I mean, skip ahead many years later. This is what (laughs) I do now. But Mm -hmm. back then, it was just a means to an end.
0: I'm just thinking about how you said that you were influenced by your parents and your dad being a businessman. I think that this is so prevalent with young people who get into a lot of it with the government, because that's how and certainly in Ottawa they grow up with their parents working for the government and their parents are suggesting that this is the this is the way to, to move forward through life is that you can go to the government. And like you said, it might not be something that really resonates with a person.
1: Oh, absolutely. So often we hear stories of uh, people going into a program because they're going to get a job. They're going to make a, a reasonable living, but they're not passionate about it. I wasn't passionate about commerce at all. I mean, I did okay. Because I thought, you know, being a student, it's your full-time job. Yes. But, uh, I kept up the music. And not knowing where I was going to end up in life, never thinking of going into it full-time. And But the music, again, kept up uh, in my life. So when I got accepted to the University of Alberta for a master's degree in archaeology, the first week there, I joined the jazz band at the university. I started playing around town in the in the different bands, a Latin band, and, and just all <laughs> over the place. Did a couple of recordings. It was really fun. But my two-year degree, my master's degree, ended up taking me four years because I got so involved in student administration and organizations. I was, again, it really launched at the time at McGill and it continued through my master's degree, getting involved. And I I thought to myself when I'd give workshops back then, those were the skills that would help you land a job much more than just having X, Y, Z degree. And I thought to myself, these are the the people skills, the administration, the the leadership that will help me much further in life. And and then I was playing two or three nights a week, uh, every every week for music and, and just very, very active. And after my degree, I moved back to my parents' basement in Montreal and I couldn't get a job. <laughs> Surprise. And I ended up working as a public security officer for my municipality because before I went to uh, Edmonton, I ended up winning a lottery, if you will, and, and being a summer student file officer. So it was a fantastic job. I had the uniform, I had the car with the flashy lights, and it was, <laughs> it's out of parks. And, and it was like a, an introduction to police. I was a first responder, if you will.
0: <laughs> and, I,
1: I, and then at that time, I thought, this is fantastic. I just love the, the atmosphere. And, and the, the reason I got hired when I came back was I was the only one on the force who had a master's degree at that point. And I love okay. them, pretty good terms. Uh, they all loved me there. And but after a couple of years, I, I kept up archaeology actually. I was doing some contracts around the Ottawa Valley area, a week here and six days there. And I was applying to archaeology jobs, but I wasn't the passion wasn't there anymore because I thought to myself, there's much more to life than sitting in a test pit doing archaeology or doing digging in the middle of the forest with the black mm. flies and the bugs and <laughs> And or looking at artifacts, spending a day studying a rock. I mean, don't get me wrong, Tanya. I love rocks more than most people. But I thought <laughs> th- there's more to life than sitting in a lab. There's more to life than practicing the saxophone as well. I never really liked the practicing side because I thought to myself, it's, it's almost selfish. You know, why would I get better at something and I'm not doing anything else for the community? So this has always been in the back of my head. I practiced when I had to because the bands I was playing were very demanding, but <clears throat> never really liked it that much. And after a couple of years uh, of working the public security, I met a woman also in a band. Actually, she played clarinet uh, in Montreal. And after six months of dating, she said, Hey, you want to go to Ottawa? I got accepted to teacher's college. I said, great. All right. Uh, I knew the public security was a dead end job. I wasn't getting advanced anywhere. My French was so, so. And with a graduate degree and my somewhat French, I could probably land a government job so that I could keep playing music on the side. You know, I wanted that day job and moved to Ottawa. A year later, got married. A year later, got divorced. And uh, this is the short story, Tanya. And For years, like seven or eight years, it was contract to contract to contract, followed by EI. I've been on EI so many times, Tanya, more than most people. But throughout Mm. the time, I kept up the music, playing all the groups and, and just getting my chops up and, you know, playing around town. And then my last contract with the government ended in May 2011. And I thought, I'm after so many years of contracts and not having this, the certainty, I was never able to take my government jobs for granted. I've been on, again, EI so many times. I was registered with 36 placement agencies. Like I could go on and on about this. And that's when I finally decided in May, uh, rather, September 2011, to go into music full time with Saxoville.
0: So, again, question. You mentioned at the beginning of that that because you had a master's. You're the only one with a masters, right?
1: Yes, uh, at the Public Security. Yes, at that time.
0: Why did it matter to have a math? Like what was do you know what the reasoning behind them wanting a master's degree?
1: That's a good question. Um I always thought that it made the the organization look better by having people with higher education, but also mm-hmm. I, I was very fair. You know, I was I never bought into the machoism that's mostly prevalent in in law enforcement. I mean, this is mm-hmm. a big generalization here. And uh, I got tired of it. But I used to get a lot of parking tickets around McGill <laughs> when I was there, so I was very lenient. You know, I give a lot of warnings. And, and why would they hire me again? Well, uh, I was a people person. Mm-hmm. I got along well with everybody. I was fair. I, I was very uh, detail oriented, which is what you need when you do a job like that.
0: And why May to you know twenty eleven and with that contract ending, what was it about that particular contract ending that? Galvanized you to say, "Okay, that's it. I'm doing something different now."
1: Yeah. Well, one, um, I realized how much money placement agencies make. I was doing communications for at that time it was the uh, Department of Transport. I was working in marine environmental safety. Okay, I was in communications. Okay, was happy to have a job. And I saw the invoice come in from the placement agency, and they were taking about twelve or fourteen dollars an hour off of my pay because I knew how much I was getting paid, and I saw the invoice come in from the department for me. And I thought, this is highway robbery. I, I I want to do something for myself, not to make someone else rich. Then I thought, my whole life, I've been playing music, passionate about it. But again, listening to all of the naysayers, and particularly with my family, don't get, go into music, get a real job. You know, music's not going to lead anywhere. And I said, no, I'm finally doing it for myself. And I'm going to prove everybody wrong. And I'm going to make it work because I have no other choice. At that time, I thought, I'm done with government. I'm not applying for another government job. And hell or high water, Tanya, I'm, I'm going to make it work. Watch me. <laughs> so I worked so hard building that brand to get out and build this business. Again, I knew nothing about entrepreneurship. Everything I learned years before from the this, this Sejep, I didn't remember. I didn't remember anything about marketing or branding or taxes, anything like that. So I learned it all from scratch. And how did you do it? Well, uh, Sax Appeal is a very unique band. It's It's all saxophones. And most people have never heard of an ensemble like that. So they're saying, great, uh, you're going to music, you know, it's tough. Yeah. Oh, um, you don't teach and you don't write music. Nope. Okay. Mm-hmm. So my options were even more limited than, than most other musicians out there. And thirdly, like nobody's looking for an all saxophone band because they, they're just so unique. So I started going out in the community, and I use the, I use this phrase often, I had to network to get work. I had to create a market for this type of ensemble. And in so doing, I branded myself. Uh, you know, starting wearing the hat, the fedora, and and really getting out into the community, getting involved with the chambers of commerce, the corporate people, because they're the the wedding industries, because they're the ones mm-hmm. who hire music for conferences or cocktail receptions. And so, how did I do? Uh, it was a lesson in branding. That's what mm-hmm. I say a lot of. What I am is I'm a walking billboard for branding, and. Okay, the, getting some gigs around the city, and I started booking other musicians as well. And after about a year of that, I had a really good sense on on how networking was done in Ottawa. And it was, at the time, very poor. Like, and I thought, well, there has to be a better way to do this. And then, uh, in uh, early 2012, I launched another business called eSax.
0: <laughs> and the name's
1: kind of cute, SaxPeel, eSax, but they're two <clears throat> very different businesses. Music was e Esax was entrepreneurship, learning mm. how to network, creating a conference every three months to help people practice and bring together Ottawa's small business community. Like it was for entrepreneurs.
0: I love that you have to network to get work.
1: Yeah, and I'm a living example of it. Um, yeah. And I used to do everything wrong. I knew nothing about networking, Tanya. You know, you walk into a room full of strangers, and most people are shy. You know, they hang around the, the corner waiting for their friend to show up. And I yep. thought to myself, uh, I, I had no choice. If if I'm not out there hustling, I'm not going to have a job, and I'm going to have to sell my house, and my dog is going to mm-hmm. starve. And so that wasn't an option for me. And so I had to suck it up. And, and when I started wearing the hat. Like, I was shy at first, Tanya. Like, you you don't see too many people dressing up a shirt and tie and name badges and, and a fedora no. walking down the street. And people would stare at me. And I would look down. And I thought to myself, uh, you know, I, I think they call it imposter syndrome.
0: Mm, yes.
1: And I thought, uh, no, I'm gonna. this is who I am. And I don't care what anybody else thinks. I'm going to walk into a room and stand out. Because branding is standing out and being remembered. I mean, that's, that's a quick answer for what branding is. And... And building a community. And that's what I started doing with these acts.
0: You've got a real gift for it. But what I'm hearing you say is that it's something you really have worked hard at getting. Oh, absolutely.
1: I mean, because I realized back when I started networking in 2011, again, to get gigs for the band, very few people were, abs- were were looking for a music ensemble. But they might know of somebody in a year from now who's getting married, a friend, family member. They might keep me in mind. So what I was doing without realizing it, Tanya, back then was developing relationships with people in the event that they may keep me in mind for future opportunities. So I thought, what's the best way to do that? Well, I need to keep track on everybody I spoke to and some details about them to develop that rapport. And this goes back to when I was registered with all of those placement agencies years before. (laughs) Agencies, for the most part, um, they deal with a lot of clients and there's Mm -hmm. a lot of turnover. My thought, my personal thought is well, they get the best option at jobs and they they, they leave. So I thought, you know, if I'm working at, with <laughs> one of these agencies and I'm chatting with somebody, I'll uh, just say the name Sarah, you know, I'm building a rapport with her, but three months later she leaves. I have to start all over again with somebody else. But because I was registered with so many, I wanted to keep track on who I spoke to, what was said, anything specific about that person. To, to further that relationship like oh hey sorry you know how's your mom is she out of the hospital yet you know did you walk you like oh wow great memory because they have they have hundreds of clients who how are they going to remember me so i want to be remembered skip ahead years later when i started networking i thought wow i'm going to all these events i'm getting all these business cards connecting on linkedin is one thing but i wanted to have a way to find out details about those persons, like where I met them, what was said, anything specific about them. Maybe they played music so that I could bring it up in conversation later to develop more of a a rapport with them. And again, all of these trial and errors I put to videos (laughs) to help other people learn entrepreneurship and networking skills. Because I started from scratch. I used to go out there and give my sales pitch the first time like you're told to Mm -hmm. and I thought, no, this is this is not the way to do it. It it's to just to be genuine and be credible, and that takes time. Asking questions about the other person, I've always thought was one of the the major speaking points of a networking event, is ask questions. You you learn more about the other person, you could change the conversation. Me, it's almost easy. I I, all the time ask people, oh, do you play music? No, but my sister does. Oh, well, she plays saxophone, no way, I play saxophone. Really? (laughs) And you develop this relationship with the person, not business related. Business will come down the line. Let it take the time, because it's that, in many cases, that first re- impression you have of somebody, you don't want to come across as a salesperson.
0: <laughs> the idea of networking, I'd like that to be rebranded. I would like that to be called connect.
1: Yeah, finding your tribe uh, is really important. Like, where where are your interests lie? Is it uh, researching old landline phones, like the rotary dial phones? There's a meetup for that. Okay, great. Like, I'm sure there is. Finding people who who have something in common with you, it may or may not be business related. But once you really connect with somebody, they're going to find ways to send business to you because they like you, they respect what you do, they like your your the way you approach life. Those are the people who you're, you're much more likely to do business with and be remembered than just throwing a business card in somebody's face and expecting to get a gig out of it.
0: Finding your tribe, finding the people that you most resonate with.
1: If you connect with somebody, you go for coffee, you go for a drink, you, you get to know them over time. Then I, I, I've always thought, People will want to find ways to work with you, and you know, they're going to Google you on social media. It's always important to have um, you know, credibility through that LinkedIn. You know, put all your professional mm-hmm. stuff on there because if anybody's going to do work with you, most likely they're going to Google you, and what shows oh, Yeah, that? yeah.
0: And I wonder. You know, we're talking about over time the importance of developing a relationship. I'm wondering if it has something to do with the opposite of instant gratification.
1: Yes. I've always approached networking as a long-term endeavor uh, at least okay let's put the music hat on I meet yeah. somebody for the first time that they say oh are you a musician because I wear the the fedora that like Actually I am yeah let me do you play music you know I turn the questions back to them I'm never expecting to get a gig on the spot so that instant gratification for me it doesn't exist I mean mm-hmm. for the the networking let's say I'm, I ask people oh are you are you at why are you at this networking but oh I'm here to, to meet people oh how's it going uh, you know, uh, are you looking for more resources about networking? Yeah, yeah, I'm just starting out. I'm a student, whatever it is. Oh, well, I have something that might help you. I have all these videos on YouTube about this. So it's mm-hmm. like, a, I guess in that case, it's a soft sales pitch. But the reason I was able to inquire about their interest is because I asked them questions. question. But by asking good questions, you get the other person talking. It's not about me. It's about listening. The long-term game is really important when it comes to networking.
0: I'm left wondering: Were you in? Were you always an entrepreneur? Or are you an accidental entrepreneur?
1: Ooh, um, I went into entrepreneurship because I realized my options for employment were limited. Like I got so frustrated with what I've been through in the government and going on EI so many times that I thought, no, nope, um, I don't know what you call it, but I thought to myself, I'm, I'm finally going to do it because I want to do it. I'm I'm an entrepreneur. I'm trying to find the best um, way forward with my businesses.
0: What what it's what it sounds like to me, and I get so excited because you really started listening to your journey.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I realize that I'm not going to continue leading my life for how other people want me to. I'm going to do it because I've been passionate about. Again, initially it was the music side, um, helping other people, making lives better. Uh, for the music, you know, it lightens up everybody's life. And then with all of these videos, they're resources to help other people learn skills. So to me, like when it goes back, like I mentioned earlier, about practicing or doing archaeology, I always thought they were selfish because I'm not doing anything for the public, for anyone else. But now I feel like I'm really making a difference in the lives of of other people. And when people say, Oh, know, you have videos about your music? I say, yeah, we have over 100 videos on YouTube for Sax Appeal Ottawa. Really? Yeah, when I'm talking about networking, we have over 700. Really? Yeah. I feel that, that what I'm doing is helping others. And, and I, I love what I do.
0: A big thank you to my guest, Jared Goldsmith, for joining me on the playground today. He is an inspiring community leader whose lessons in entrepreneurship are definitely transferable to career development in general. He spoke of his journey after finishing post-secondary education, not knowing what to do next. He was always told he would not make a living in music, but shared with us a lifelong passion for playing and performing. But he listened to the clues, an exceptionally important part of effective career development, and after too many stints on employment insurance, after short-term government contracts ended, he finally paid attention and started his band, Sax Appeal. He learned he had to network to get work, and with his trademark fedora, Jared and his saxophone quartet have made a lasting impression on Ottawa's music scene for more than a decade. He spoke about the importance of branding himself so he could stand out in the small business community. It's the same advice for people when they want to develop their own careers. His cheerful, upbeat personality endear him to everyone he meets. And his commitment to improving the Ottawa networking scene changed the small business landscape for the better with his introduction of ESACs, the entrepreneur social advantage experience. For Jared, networking is all about asking questions, and building relationships is a key element of developing a successful business. Finding community, connecting, and making a difference motivate him and you can find him on YouTube and many different music events throughout Ottawa. There's more on that in the show notes. What's next for Jared continuing to build community, helping others and making music. And of course, being able to pivot. Jared has a lot of wonderful resources to share, and I will have a link to them in the show notes. A big thanks again, Jared. Please join me next week where I will be welcoming another mystery guest to the Playground. If you haven't done so yet, please subscribe to The Playground Project, where you find your podcasts. Thank you once again for spending your time with me on the Playground, and I am looking forward to next week's episode, when we will jump into the future together.